Evening, everyone. Hello, welcome to Bible study. Glad you're here. I'm gonna get started. So, uh, what I'd like to do is just uh, <laughs> take a moment and pray, and then we will get moving on the actual study for tonight. So, let's pray. Father, thanks for uh, time, place to gather. We thank you for this opportunity to hear from you. I pray that. We would be open to what you want to say and what you want to reveal. I pray, God, for your Holy Spirit to teach us. I pray for him to inspire us. I pray, God, that we are challenged tonight. And I pray for a good change in us and the way that we're thinking or the way that we're seeing things or the way that we're interacting with you or with one another. I pray, Father, that there would be uh, just a, a real good challenge to go forth tonight uh, toward change in a positive way. So God, I pray that we are open, and I pray that we have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church tonight, if we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So if you have some Bibles, I think we have some out on the table here, so if you need a Bible, feel free to get on up and get one. Uh, they are here and available for your use. I'm going to be looking into uh, the epistle of Romans. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. And I'm going to read it to you because uh, I have a, a version I just want to use because it just seems to be a little more clear in it. It seems to be a little more understandable, so I'm going to go ahead and read from that. So it's Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. Come on in, guys. Find a seat. Get in a comfortable chair. It's good. Romans chapter 1 verse 17. It says this, The good news shows how God makes people right with Himself. From beginning to end, becoming right with God depends on a person's faith. It is written, those who are right with God will live by faith. And then I have a reference there, Habakkuk 2.4. I'll read that again to you, Romans 1.17. The good news shows how God makes people right with himself. From beginning to end, becoming right with God depends on a person's faith. It is written, those who are right with God will live by faith. So how does that match up with what you're reading? Can you see that in there anywhere? Sort of? A little bit? Alright, uh, I was reading from the New International Reader's Version. And uh, often, I usually go between two versions for reading the Bible when I go through the Bible. Uh, one version is uh, the English Standard Version, the ESV. Uh, and then the other version is this, the New International Reader's Version. <clears throat> and so, uh, one of the things I've found with the New International Reader's Version is that as I'm reading, I don't have to concentrate as hard on trying to figure out the wording. Uh, one of the things that they tried to do with this is to make uh, the language understandable for people who English is not necessarily their first language. And so uh, it, it's helpful in that way. Uh, the other version I read is a, a more technical version. Uh, the English Standard Version is a more technical version. It was this the version that replaced uh, the RSV, the Revised Standard Version. And uh, back when I was in school, which was a long time ago, the RSV was generally the version that was used for uh, when people would write papers or would take classes. That's the version we would use in the class. But uh, in, in, since then, the, the ESV has taken its place. So anyway, uh, that, that's just, just giving you that, just so you understand kind of where I'm coming from. And so uh, the version that I read to you really spells out what we're going to talk about tonight. From, from Romans 1. And so when I talk about the righteousness of God, 
what I what I mean by that, and what I believe these verses mean by that, and we're going to be looking at a bunch of verses tonight, or a few verses tonight, that talk about the righteousness of God. And when I say the righteousness of God, what I'm not saying, and this is going to be one of those times I'm going to tell you what I'm not saying. I don't like to do that, but I'm going to do that tonight. What I'm not saying, I'm not talking about the character of God. All right. In other words, I'm not talking about that thing that is in God that makes him righteous because he's God. That's not what I'm talking about. Because certainly God is yes, holy, God is glorious, God is all these things, and he has all of these characteristics that are just built in. In other words, when someone says God is holy, why is God holy? Because he says so, that's right. Uh, he defines holiness. So whatever holiness is, it's, it's a part of who he is. All right? That's all there is to it. And so when I say the righteousness of God, I don't want you to think in those terms because that's not what this is talking about. What this is talking about is a righteousness that comes from God versus a righteousness that comes from us. All right? So the righteousness of God, when we talk about that in Romans and other places in the New Testament, has to do with where the source or how that righteousness comes into our life. It's a righteousness that is given to us, provided for by God, instead of us trying to do it ourselves. Do you see the difference between those two things? Or not? Okay, that's an important distinction because uh, oftentimes when we think about certain things in, in that the New Testament says, if we think about them wrongly, they're great ideas, but they're nothing that we can really grab hold of. In other words, if you believe the righteousness of God it has to do with His immutable character, has to do with who He is by His very nature, and then I say to you, we should aspire toward or we should receive the righteousness of God. If you're thinking that that's part of his nature, is that even possible? No, because we don't have that same nature. All right. In other words, if I'm going to say, yeah, the righteousness of God, I'm going to think of it in terms of that which he possesses by virtue of who he is. Well, we're not him. And so thinking of it in those terms creates an impossible situation for us to ever be able to grab hold of what this is actually saying and what God has for us. But thinking in terms of this is the righteousness that he bestows on us. This is the righteousness that he gives to us. It's a righteousness that we can possess because it is designed, it is made, and paid for by Him for us. And the contrast to it is the righteousness that we can produce ourselves for ourselves. Alright, so the righteousness that talked about in the New Testament, the righteousness here and the righteousness we're going to be talking about this in a few different places in the New Testament, has to do with that which we can actually possess. Not the impossible thing, the very possible and paid for thing. Not the thing that's way out there that, that God has exclusively somewhere, but the thing that he has in fact gone to a lot of trouble to make sure that we can receive and that we can have in our lives. Because he's gone to a lot of trouble to provide for righteousness in our lives. He's gone to a lot of trouble to make us in right standing with Him. Dave. I, I struggle with that word righteousness. Mm -hmm. Like, even understanding what that looks like, what, what it really means, what it can mean in our life. Can, can you give any insight into that? Well, well, I think I'm in the process of answering a part of your question. And the reason I believe that is because, going back to what I was just saying, if we have the wrong idea about righteousness, 
it is impossible for us to apply it to our lives. At this point, I have like, like no idea. Okay. Besides maybe doing the right thing, but that's, I don't know that that's, that, that's really not what righteousness is, but what I've heard. Right. Righteousness, it, it, the, the basic meaning of righteousness is to be in right standing. Okay, we, we created a compound word that we could have used a few words to say that would have made it easier for us to understand today. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with German, but Germans do that a lot. They, they will compound a word into like seven syllables. And it'll have this rich meaning, but it's like this long. <laughs> you know, it's just, then, just really long. It just becomes some abstract thing that kind of have an idea what it means but you really don't right when it comes to applying it for me i'm lost right so applying those kind of right so hopefully hopefully we'll we'll get it if not then bring it up at the end hopefully i'll I'll, i'm on the road to help (laughs) i hope uh but even in the verse in the in the version that i read in romans 117 He starts off, he says, the good news shows how God makes people right with himself. Making people right with himself is the root of righteousness. And if you can understand it that simply, then you'll be able to apply it to your life. God making people right with himself is righteousness. So the gospel, or the good news, reveals the righteousness of God. That's what some of your Bibles say. And what that is, is the plan. It shows the plan designed by Him for us to be right with Him. That is the basis, that is the basic understanding of righteousness. And so the gospel shows us that plan. The gospel shows us that strategy that God has come up with and gone to a lot of trouble to make sure that we have access to in order that we could be right with Him. That's what the gospel is. That's what the gospel shows so this is the story. The gospel is the story of how God makes people right with himself. It is not a guideline on how to do it yourself. All right, let me say that again. The gospel is the strategy. The gospel is the revelation of how God makes people right with himself. That's what the gospel is. It's the revelation of how God makes people right with himself. It's not a guideline for you to do it yourself. What does that mean to you? Just quickly, what does that mean to you? You need help. Well, yeah, you can't do it. Even with help, you can't do it. We need him. Yeah, we we do not have the capacity in and of ourselves to do this. It's by his grace. It's, it's, It's only... His plan. In other words, what he's revealing through the gospel is this is the revelation, this is the plan of how God is making us right with himself. It is not a guideline for you or me to do this ourselves. We can't. And so, what's important about that is if you read the gospel any Gospels, you read the Gospels from the perspective, well, this is a guideline showing me how I'm going to do this myself, you're going to read it wrongly. Period. You're going to understand what Jesus is saying. You're going to understand the the history. You're going to understand the story wrongly that you're reading in the Gospels if that's how you're going to read it. That's what you want to see. Unfortunately, That's how a lot of people have been taught to read the Gospels. They've been taught the Gospel is like a self-help book. 
That the Gospels are, are the this, this, this stories that we can draw from and we can learn from and then we can go and, and, and we can apply this and that's how you know, God's going to like us or whatever it is. You know, the old Saturday Night Live Guido Sarducci skit you know about what I'm going to do. You know, he's talking about how you get into heaven. You got a scale and you got all the good stuff you did over here and all the bad stuff you did over here. And if you get enough good stuff on this side and more than the bad stuff on this side, then you're in. Yeah, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. If you don't know who Guido Sarducci is, good, because it's really old. It's just fine. <laughs> <laughs> it means you're not. It means you're not as close to Social Security as I am. All right, you can YouTube it, but whatever. Anyway, what I'm what I'm getting to on this is that we've been taught something that's just not correct. And and I suppose in a society that in the past the 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 ethos of our society, the ethos of our our ethics of, of work and all of that. It really encouraged us to, you know, really take hold of life and really do it ourselves and really, you know, work our way and all the rest of that kind of stuff. And that's what our, our way of thinking was rewarded by that. I suppose that it makes sense somehow that that was somehow integrated into a gospel message it was never meant to be a part of. So, however it got there, I'm, I'm not prepared to really figure that out right now, how it got there. All I'm trying to say is, is that we have to recalibrate the way we're going to see the gospel if we're really going to understand this. We have to recalibrate the way that we're going to understand our relationship with Christ and how we come into that relationship and how that relationship is maintained. And all that that means, we have to recalibrate that if we're going to enter into the fullness of what God's done. And fundamentally, people have a problem with this. Some people do, some people don't. The less religious a person is, normally, they have less of a problem with this. And the more religious you are brought up, the more problem you have with this. And that's neither good nor bad or whatever. It's just kind of the way it is because we've been filled with certain ideas. But at this point, it's up to us what we do with that, isn't it? Yeah. Ultimately, you can make a decision. You can change your mind. You have the power. You have the power to change your mind. You have the power to affect what you're going to believe. You have the power to affect what you're going to do. You do. Whether you believe that, you don't believe it, I can't help you with that, but I'm telling you, you do. I'll tell you the truth right now. You have that power. You don't have to live in a former deception. You don't have to live in a former lie if you don't want to. You may choose to because it's comfortable. You may choose to because it's harder to change your mind. You may choose to because you, you feel unsafe thinking a different way. You may choose those things, but you're choosing those things. And you could choose differently if you wanted to. I've heard the same story uh, three or four times recently about a guy that was up doing a, uh, some kind of a, a conference for, uh, I don't know if they were medical professionals or some kind of mental health professionals or something like that. And he was telling his story about how he had been addicted to uh, opiates. And he was standing up in front of the people. He had had chronic pain. There were reasons why he was addicted to the opiates, but he, his story was involved. He had had all kinds of physical problems and all this, and he had been prescribed these things, and he got to the point he just couldn't live without them. And so he was talking to some of these mental health professionals, and he was saying... Uh, well, and really the, the end of his story was this. Like I said, I've heard this story like four times recently. Different people telling it. And I'm butchering it, so I'm just giving you the, the basics. But he, he looked at everybody there and he just said, well, I can tell you how to end your addiction to opiates. Do you want me to tell you how to do that? 
and they're all you know they're mental health professionals they got all kinds of addicted people opiates is a big deal right now and there's all kinds of people not only addicted to it but there's a huge black market for it and all these other things so they're all perked up they're all like yeah he said i'll tell you what i did this is how i i, I kicked the opiates i set the pill bottle on the counter in my kitchen I looked at it, and I never touched it again. That's how I stopped. And of course, the room full of all these professors, like, wow, you can't just do that. You can't just do that. But he assured them that's what happened. He made a decision. Isn't that what? Always happens when somebody doesn't it seem like that would be the obvious <laughs> thing that needs to happen? <laughs> decide to never do it anymore. You're gonna keep doing it. Right. Right. No matter how much they throw you in jail or put you in rehab, if you haven't decided you're not gonna touch it again, you're gonna touch it. And you'll keep stealing from your family, you'll keep stealing from the people that care about you. You're not gonna Yeah, absolutely. And I know it's a complicated story, all right, and I know that. But what I'm trying to get at is the simplicity of this guy. Who are you going to argue with him? Okay. You can't, right? You can't argue with that because he's standing up in front of these people, telling his story. It's his story. But we all have a certain power in ability to change our minds and make a different decision. All of us. We need to exercise that sometimes. And I mean really exercise it. And not just go with whatever's flowing through our brain. Because it might be right. I don't know. It might be helpful. It might be edifying. It may be building you up. Or it may be tearing you down all the time too. And it might be working against what God is doing. It might be working against where you want to be. And where you believe you're supposed to be. And we need to somehow... Take hold of that. Take responsibility in our own minds. Take responsibility of our own thinking and our own thought life. And be willing to change our minds every now and then. You know, from start to finish, and I'm going to say this from start to finish, the whole Bible, the whole Bible, you and me being right with God is a matter of our faith. From start to finish. You and me, you being right with God from start to finish is a matter of your faith. It is the essential part on our side of the equation when it comes to God, when it comes to being right with Him. And that's what righteousness means. Right? So when it comes to righteousness, when it comes to being right with God, the essential part on our side of things is faith. And that's from the beginning all the way to the end. Faith. We want it to be something else, but it's not. We want something a little more tangible, but it's not more tangible. What he requires of us, what he's looking for, what he wants from us, is our faith. Let's look up a few verses I've been talking long enough there. Philippians 3.9. Philippians 3.9. And then Romans 4, 5 through 8. So Philippians 3.9. Romans 4, 5 through 8. Philippians 3 9. And be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. All right. Can you see how clear that statement is there? He goes both sides of it. He goes both sides of the, the righteousness. He said, There's not found in me a righteousness that's my own. Or that comes to me by the law. 
You know, this is a Pharisee talking. This is a Pharisee of the Pharisees talking. In other words, he was well trained in the law. Well lived by the law. But when he talked about the righteousness that comes, it's not by anything he's done and it's not by the law. But what does he say it's by? What's the simplicity of the whole thing he says there? Faith. Faith. We want it to be more complicated than that. You mean What do you mean? There's got to be something else. It's not. No. No. But I was taught that if you did X, Y, and Z, or, or you followed these rules, or you did these things, that that's what righteousness was. That's not what righteousness is. Paul says it. He says it right there. He says the righteousness is not found in me from those things. That isn't the righteousness. That's not what we're talking about. It's faith. So whatever those other things are that's in our mind, that, that, that clouds that, need to be, they need to be cleansed out of us. It's faith. But somebody else told me, right, I know, I know, I know. My people told me stuff like that too, and it was wrong. It took me a while in my Christianity to be able to dismiss that. And it's okay that it might take a little while to dismiss it, but get rid of it. Just get rid of it. People say, you know, over the years that I've been teaching this, they'll say, well, you can't tell people that. They'll just go out and go crazy and do stuff. No, they don't. No, they don't. You wouldn't be sitting here on a Monday night at Bible study if your heart was to go out there and do whatever you wanted to do. I don't think. I think you'd go on out there and do whatever you want to do. Alright? At least I hope so. If that's what it was. Romans 4, 5 through 8. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. The three. Yeah. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man that soon the Lord will not count his sin. Alright. So that that those verses, there's a, a word in there in some of the verse the versions that you might have. It says the faith is imputed, which means to be counted as righteousness. And then you notice he goes all the way back to David in the verse. What I'm trying to say, and what he's trying to say is from the start to the finish, us being right with God is a matter of faith. It wasn't any different. You know, when David was living, he was living under the law. You know that, right? They still had temple sacrifices. They still had the written law. They still had all those things that were going on and the priests and all that. The Ark of the Covenant and everything that was going on with that. Mount Sinai stuff. That's when he was living. And yet even in those times, even with that understanding of God, he still understood that it is faith that would be imputed as righteousness in his life. In other words, faith is counted as righteousness in us. It's like it, it trumps over all the paying the birds for your sins or slaughtering the calf or whatever. It, it, it trumps over all that. All of it. All of it. It always has. Right. I mean, you think about even... Well, you think about even Saul when he disobeyed God and he, but then he went out and he did, made all these sacrifices to God. All this cattle and everything. And Samuel, he said, to obey is better than sacrifice. You see, these basic understandings of our life in God, our faith and all of that, they've always trumped all those things. Always. 
And the people that understood that, those are the people that God used. Those are the people that God spoke through. Those are the people that God was revealing Himself to. Those are the people that knew God. And they all understood that, that faith. And they all understood that obedience and, and our relationship trumped everything. Everything else. Because it always did. From beginning all the way to the end. And even better. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it wasn't by what he did. It was what could he do? It was just his faith that God, that you know, he loved God and God loved him. And you think about Abraham. Yeah. And you think about, I mean, you know, just go right down the line. Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Go right down the patriarchal line there. Look at the great leaders of Israel. Look at the prophets that came. Even the judges. And you consider from beginning to end, faith is always the key. Being right with God has to do with faith. Now, quoted in the verse in Romans 1 is Habakkuk 2.4. Habakkuk 2.4. And it said, and this is, remember, this is a prophecy. Habakkuk was a prophet. Alright? And so he was prophesying this. But it's a prophecy that goes in both directions. Because it's the universal, it's the, the Jew, the Christian, everybody. Pre-Abraham, post-Abraham, pre-Jesus, post-Jesus. The whole existence... It's the, it's the universal statement. He says the just, alright, hear that word just, not the perfect, the sinless, or the nice. The just, meaning those that are right with God, shall live by faith. Those that are right with God will live by faith. Faith. Because that's that word, just. In fact, my, the, the New International Reader's Version says that those who are right with God will live by faith. Again, that's not the perfect. It's not the sinless. It's not even the nice people. It's just those that are right with God. And you look at the people in the Bible that were right with God, they certainly weren't perfect. I was just talking about this uh, yesterday with David. You know, you got a guy yelling at David, heckling David, you're a murderer. Well, that's because he was a murderer. He's not perfect. He was right with God, though. I mean, he had to get right with God after he did that. But he was right with God. And you look at some of the people in just throughout the scriptures. Abraham had his problems. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't sinless. And he wasn't even nice all the time. Moses. Moses was a murderer. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't sinless. And he wasn't nice all the time either. Peter. Go to the New Testament, Peter. He wasn't perfect. Jesus called him Satan. I mean, yeah. He had to be restored. He denied the Lord and, and Jesus had to restore him. Toward the end of John there, and you, you see the conversation they were having. He wasn't sinless. And he wasn't always nice either. Didn't he cut some guy's ear off? Yeah. I don't know. But he was right with God. Can you understand this? Those that are right with God live by faith. That's how it works. 
I, mean, I know, I know it's more complicated in our brains than that, but I want you to just hear the simplicity of this, at least for a few moments. Let it sink in. Those that are right with God will live by faith. I mean, read Hebrews chapter 11. The Faith Hall of Fame. Through there. Look at some of those people. Isn't Rahab mentioned in there somewhere? In the Faith Hall of Fame? She was a prostitute. Not sinless. Not perfect. She might have been nice. I don't know. But she had her problems, right? And she turned on her own people. She lived by faith. And she saved her family. Too. Okay, let's look at the term righteousness by faith. Uh, Romans 3.22, somebody. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Alright, is that a clear statement to everyone? How is righteousness given? To whom? Everybody. Romans 9.30 Romans 9.30 What then shall we say? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it a righteousness that is by faith. What shall we say? The Gentiles were, and if you think about it, if you, if you wanted to use the argument, well, the Jews had been pursuing God for how many thousands of years, and He finally rewarded their faith with righteousness, but what about the Gentiles? They weren't pursuing God at all. They were pursuing whatever they wanted to pursue. So how did they get righteous? By faith. Because the key wasn't how long they had been pursuing Him. The key was they had faith. They applied a faith to it and they received. Okay, Romans 10.6. Romans 10.6. Now faith comes way of getting right with God says, Don't say it in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth. Say it again. 10-6. Yeah. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth. No. No, no, it, that's what it is. It says, but the way to do what God requires us begin by having faith in Him. So righteousness, some of your Bibles may say, begins by having faith in Him. Alright? That's where that's what it is. Alright. So we just read in Romans 117, those who are right with God live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Alright, that's what we just read there, right? Okay, let's look at Hebrews uh, chapter two and verse four. I believe so. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed in according to the will of Israel. It sure doesn't look like it, does it? <laughs> All right, let me see what I got here. Okay, while I'm looking at this, go ahead and look up Galatians 3.11. Galatians 3.11. We know that no one is made right with God by keeping the law. Scripture says those who are right with God will live by faith. Alright, so there's that same statement again. 
Right, that's that same statement again. Okay, Hebrews 10.38. Try that one. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. All right. Thank you for reading that. So the righteous one or the just, or the one who is right with God, lives how? <coughs> By faith. Okay, so you see the same phrase again going on. All right, in Hebrews 4.2, now I don't know if this is the verse I was looking for, but it says this, The good news was preached to our people long ago. It has also been preached to us. The message they heard didn't have any value for them because they did not combine it with faith. So again, faith is the key. And the whole gospel, again, the whole gospel, the good news, is the revelation of how God makes us right with Him. And the way that we're going to obtain that and the way that we're going to live in that is a matter of our faith. The whole object of the coming of Christ was to make people right with God. That's the whole object of it. I mean, why else did he come? Why else did he appear? We don't live, we don't have the opinion that he came just as a great teacher. We don't have the opinion he came just as a model for us to follow after. We don't believe that he came just uh, as a healer or as a rabbi or as a prophet or what other reason that people believe that religious figures appear. We don't believe that. We think the object of his coming was to make us right with God. That's why he came. So righteousness, or being right with God, was wrapped up in the whole purpose, was wrapped up in the whole plan of Jesus. That is the gospel. So if his whole purpose was to make us right with God, if his whole purpose was to provide a way for that, to unveil the plan that God had, of being right with Him, then it's applying our faith toward Him and toward all that He's done that that's where that comes from. Okay, go to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. We were almost at these verses before, but... Romans chapter 3, verses 24 through 26. Romans 3, 24 through 26. And are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God predestined Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. He did this to demonstrate His justice because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate His justice at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Alright, so this tells the whole story. It starts off in verse 24, though. It says, The free gift of God's grace, as Dave, you said before, makes us all of us right with Him. That's the free gift of His grace. And then it tells us everything that Christ did to make sure that would happen. After that, Jesus paid the price. God gave him as a sacrifice. He forgives the sins of those who have faith. God did all of this to prove that he's fair because of his mercy. God proved that he is fair. He proved that he is right. And he also made us right with himself. Those who, what? Does it say there? In verse 26, those who believe. All right. That's the story. That's the gospel. And so, I, I think if you, if you were to trace this statement that I'm making tonight through Romans, you're going to hear it four or five times. That he makes the same argument over and over and over again in varying amounts of detail to the readers, because he wants them to understand. Now remember, he, he, these are not complicated concepts. 
he's trying to communicate. These are basic concepts of the faith he's instructing the church in. He's, he's talking to a Roman church that needed to be instructed in some basic understandings of the faith. And so one of the themes, one of the things he's going to say over and over again, how is it that we're right with God? How is that possible? It's through faith. It's through faith. And, and how did that happen? Well, Jesus did all of these things, what we call the gospel. He did all of these things. He paid all of this price and he suffered and he did all of this stuff so that we in turn could be right with God if we'll just believe in him. Hmm. Why do we try to make it so complicated though? I, I could answer that and I'm probably, I'd sound fairly... Uh, I don't know. How, I don't know how I'd put it. Uh, my my theory on that, I think people like to control other people, and I think as a point of control, that if you can tell people that their right standing with God depends on some external action that you can dictate, then you can control them. So it's like we've been indoctrinated to believe it's more complex than it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think all power has to do with control. So, and people who, and people generally lust after power, money. It all goes back to the, the beginning of the fall. Of course. That, 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 that's how it all happened. Yeah. The, the, and it's still going on. Yeah. You know? It's an old it's, argument. It's, it's the, the jealousy of something else. Right. It is an old, old, old struggle. Yeah. It's the very first struggle. The struggle, yeah. And all struggles start from that. We have to straighten it out. Because as long as we live in ambiguity about what this means, uh, I think that we leave room for a couple things. One thing we leave room for is the lies of the enemy. And I, and I think we're easily, uh, we're easily put down. And we're easily discouraged by the lies of the enemy. But I think the other thing about living in ambiguity that it allows for, that's even worse than that, is our own complacency. And I think sometimes our complacency is a greater enemy than the lies of the devil in our life. I think that if we just decide we can't figure it out and we don't know, and so we're just going to not think about it, I think sometimes that's a hundred times worse than the devil lying to us about something. Because being complacent about something can be just as destructive in our lives. Right. Moves on to the next verse. Right. Yeah, Howard. What's the ambiguity? What's that? Ambiguity. Uh, not being clear. Having you know, like, could be this, could be that. Not really having a hard and fast, uh, a hard definition or a hard understanding of something okay. in our life. Uh -huh. Right. Yeah, I on the, which is kind of funny because I have on the other hand I I don't really have a hard time living with ambiguity, which is bad in some ways because I can easily just see two th different things and never think about it again. I just don't care. And, and that can be bad because I don't have a real drive to push for the answer. Uh, unless it's a math problem or something. You know what? That 
a deep understanding. Yeah, yeah, I just don't. Uh, and I, I mean, when I was in school, you know, because I took math or whatever in college, you know, I, I think I did pretty well you know, understanding I need to come to some kind of an answer. But there are a lot of things in life that I don't feel that way. I'm not driven that way. So, uh, and I think, just depending on your personality, some people are more driven that way than others. And so, I, but again, either way, whether you give up on it or you just, well, I'll just live with, you know, not knowing, it still creates in us, I think, or it's a possibility to that complacency where we just don't do anything. And this is one area that we need to, to nail down in our lives. We need to nail down the issue of being right with God. Because this should not be something that we're attacked with. Right? As Christians, we should not be attacked with this. By, we shouldn't allow an attack by the enemy or even ourselves or even other people. When we're right with God, we're right with God not because we're perfect beings... Not because we're living and doing everything sinless. Not because we're even nice all the time. It's, it, that's not anything that's to it. The just shall live by faith. In other words, those that are right with God live by faith. So if we want to be right with God, we need to live by faith. All right? You've you got to apply some faith to it. you got faith that Jesus Christ died for your sins. you got faith that... He, if you're faith, that if you will confess your sins, He's faithful, He's just, He will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. you got faith that Jesus lived on the earth, He came as a human being, He died on the cross, He rose again. I mean, we have basic faith, right? I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, I'm just saying we got basic faith. And so with that basic faith, we have an understanding from that that we're right with God. That, that's like the connection that we need to make. It, that is the connection. That is the connection. Because if you read again, and we could read through all those verses, you could read Philippians 3 9, Romans 4 5 through 8. You could read Romans 3 22, Romans 9 30, Romans 10 6, Galatians 3 11, Hebrews 10 38, Romans 3 24 through 26. All of those verses say that. And so we're either going to just accept the fact that God is making this abundantly clear to us. And receive that. So what have we done? We, we've applied faith. Because universally, from the beginning to the end, that's our side of it, is to believe. And when we believe, that gets imputed to us, or it's counted as righteousness. To me it does, and to, it also unlocks our ability to relax. Our ability to, to have joy and live in that joy before our Maker. Presence. Absolutely, because we're not called into His presence by our own righteousness. We're called by His. Because it's not even possible to do it on our own righteousness. Right. It's impossible. And we can never attain that. So, uh, I think for just our own relationship with Christ, we have to understand this. To really enter into that kind of love, friendship that He desires to have with us. That's all based on all He's done. And He just invites us in. And so I want to encourage you tonight to not let this remain a mystery. Because it's not really a mystery. In fact, Paul went to extreme lengths to make sure it wouldn't be a mystery to the church. Because he understood well that we have to get this straightened out if we're going to build on other things in our life. It starts with a relationship with Him. Any other comments or, or questions? That was a good discussion tonight. I think of the conference and Jim White talking about well, challenging us to believe, simply believe what God said. Right. Like that's what, like he believes that's what the devil fears the most. Not that we'll go get the healing here or there or whatever, but just that we would simply believe what's 
God spoke in general and about us specifically. That's super powerful. Right. Right. Because then all of a sudden you start understanding, like, like what you're just saying, a simplicity of this is right. being right with the just shall live by faith. Those that are right with God live by faith. Alright? That's it. But then you start believing simple things like you'll lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. Yeah. Heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, freely receive, freely give. Like there's some simplicity to all of those things that as we begin to allow that kind of simplicity to enter our hearts, I suppose the devil would fear that. Because he's really good at complicating things that aren't complicated at all. Yeah. And this is kind of a weird thing to say, but you know where you see that? Social media. And I'm only going to say this. I don't want to get into this too far, but when you've got a platform where thousands and thousands of people can all comment on the same thing. They can take something that is completely and utterly obvious. I mean obvious. Completely and utterly obvious. And convolute it and complicate it to the point that no one knows anymore. And I, I look at something like that and, and again I... This is not a commentary on social media. It's just the phenomenon of it. And it makes me think of how the devil complicates the most obvious and the most simple of things to the point we give up trying to answer it. And you can say that's your mind or you can say whatever it is, but all of those voices saying all of those things and all of a sudden no one knows. Yeah. Cast of seed of doubt, right? Yeah, a thousand times over. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna give fruit. Some pretty bad fruit. And even if even obviously there, there, I can't tell you the number of things I can't read social media because of that. Because I will look at something and there's an obvious they could say two plus two equals four. There'd be thousands of people. Explaining why that's not true. And I just can't read it. I cannot go through that. I can't. I can't. Things that I've seen, I've witnessed live. And then reading about on social media. And it's completely and utterly confusion to something that was a simple, obvious fact. So, anyway, that just came to mind when uh, Stacy mentioned that for some reason. So I'll just give you that. I have no idea if that means anything to you or not. Or if you've experienced that or seen that. But uh, it may help explain some of the techniques of the enemy when it comes to confusing us. And, and sometimes it's just helpful to go back to the simplicity. The obvious simplicity uh, of what... God says. So let's take a moment and pray and uh, just respond as we pray. Father, I thank you for the provision that you've made for us. And Jesus, I want to say thanks for uh, just the good news that is you. That you and everything that you've done, everything that you've said, the, the whole gospel is your plan. The whole gospel is your means your whole, the, the whole gospel is the path that you have marked out so that we can be right with God. And so I thank you for all that you've done. I thank you for the truth of all that you've done. And I thank you, God, that you give us the opportunity to apply faith in you. 
And it's that faith in you, according to the Scriptures, that makes us right. That gets counted to us and toward us as righteousness. And it's something you've done for your people from the beginning all the way to the end. It's the master plan. It's the way you said it was going to be. It's the way you say it is. And it's the way you say it's going to be in the future. And so we apply faith to you. And we thank you for making us right. And so God, tonight I pray that we can rest in that. I pray that we can find peace in that. I pray that we can find joy in that. I pray we can find relief in that. And I pray for some of us the striving would stop. And we could accept and receive the truth. And really find a place of peace to live in that truth. In our own hearts and our own lives. I'll give you thanks. We give you praise and honor. We ask it in Jesus' name.